have a question for you this morning, and my question is this. Are you a rule follower? Are you a rule follower, or are you more of a you-can't-tell-me-what-to-do kind of a person? I, I find that um, we, we tend to lean these couple of ways, and sometimes people are, feel differently in different contexts, right? But you're playing a game, you get out the game, and you start to play the game, and there's always the person who's like, wait, 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 let's check the rules on that. Let's check the rules on that. And the other person's like, let's just play. What? I, I already know how to play. We're just going to play. No, no, I'm pretty sure. And they, they're digging through the rules. And they're, yep, yeah, yeah, no, this is how you do it. And they, they want to make sure we follow the rules. And others of you are like, you know, if I get the general gist of the game, we're just going to have fun and we're just going to play it, right? Or you get the instructions on how to put that thing together, that thing that you spent too much money on, but you thought it really would look nice in your living room. And so now you're going to put it together until so you open the instructions and you're like, Wow, this is complex. I think I understand, though. And you just start, put it together, you know? Because the, the instructions, those are really for people who don't know what they're doing, but you already knew what you were doing. And so you'll let the instructions, the rules, be for somebody else instead, right? The same thing happens when we come into the church. People, some people come into the church and they're like, you know what, of course God loves me. Of course he wants to accept me as I am, and so here I am, and God can accept me, and I, I'm, he must be glad that I'm here. And there are other people who come into the church and they're like, I really want God to love me, and so somebody tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do. What is God's will for my life in every single decision that I make because I want to do the right thing and I don't want to displease God? And so because we have that tendency to go one way or the other on that, I thought that this morning we should really look and see um, what does God want, right? What does God want? And so we uh, will pick this up in Matthew chapter 5, and those of you who have been with us for a little while, you know that we've been preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus uh, going up on this mountain to sit down and talk with his disciples and explain to them what the kingdom of heaven is like. If you recall, John the Baptist came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then Jesus followed in his footsteps saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now Jesus is explaining, expanding for his disciples exactly what it means, the kingdom of heaven. Who gets into the kingdom of heaven? Um, what does it look like to be in the kingdom of heaven? That sort of thing. And so this is the, these are the verses we come to now in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so listen to how he starts this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So the Law and the Prophets is, is sort of uh, shorthand for saying the Old Testament. 
And you might say, well, isn't the Old Testament just shorthand for saying the Old Testament? And that's true. For us, it is. Because we have the whole Bible in one volume all put together. But, but at this time, they didn't have that. All they had was the scriptures, the writings, scrolls and scrolls of the Old Testament in collections. And so if you were going to refer to the entire collection of the scriptures, you would call it the Law and the Prophets. Right? The, the, the pieces of, of the, the Old Testament, the, the law and the prophets, and that would be sort of shorthand for saying, you know, the scriptures. And when we talk about the scriptures, what we're talking about is God's revelation of himself to his people. God's speaking to his people and saying, this is who I am, and this is what it means to be one of my people. And so when you're reading through the Bible, that's what you're reading. You're reading God's words to you on who he is and what it means to be one of his people. So Jesus is talking and he's saying, look, some of you think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets and I've not come to do that. If you thought that um, I was just sort of changing everything and was going to undo everything about what God has revealed about who he is and what it means to be one of his people, you're, you're not correct about that. I've not come to do away with that. You see, some of the Pharisees were beginning to hear Jesus teach and hear that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, and they were thinking to themselves, I think that he doesn't think that the Old Testament is important anymore. All of these laws and things that God has given us on what it means to be his people, all of the ways that we are to live, it sounds to us like Jesus is saying, no, no, don't worry about that. And so Jesus is now clarifying and he's saying, no, if you think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets and get rid of it, you're very mistaken. That's not at all what I have come to do. Rather, I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets. I've come to do what it says. Now, if the Pharisees and the scribes were listening to this, what they would have heard is, huh, so he's going to keep all of those laws and commandments just like we have been trying to keep those laws and commandments. He's going to fulfill all of them? That's a really high standard. That's a really high standard. These these Pharisees had, had said, you know what, God's law looks like this, and if we want to make sure, you know how... Sometimes you make rules for yourself. I'm not going to eat that. And then you have to sort of go, okay, I'm really tempted to eat that, so really I need to put it away where I can't see it because if I look at it, I'm probably going to eat it. And so I need to make an additional rule to say I'm not even going to look at that thing because I don't want to eat it, right? The actual thing that you don't want to do is eat it, but you have to make a rule for yourself to not look at it lest you be tempted to actually eat it, right? And so the Pharisees are doing that same kind of thing. They know God's laws, they know God's rules, and they said, okay, but if the line is here, we want to make sure we don't cross that line, and even sometimes it might be just a little bit ambiguous exactly where the line is, so we're going to draw the line back here instead so that we don't accidentally cross over that line. And if we're really righteous, then we'll do this line. And then some of them go, well, actually, that line itself is is really um, much too generous. We should draw the line over here, because if you were very righteous, you would have the line be over here, and that's what the really righteous people do. And so now they're looking at Jesus, and they're going, okay, Jesus, are you going to fulfill the law and the prophets? Are are you going to do everything that it says, like to a T, without getting anything wrong? 
He says, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I have come to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So we're talking about um, what he's probably referring to here is like the smallest letter. When you're looking at all of the law and you're looking at the the smallest letter, the one that, that it might not even matter that it's there really. It's just sort of there. He's like, that, that, even that is important. To the very smallest point, to the very, the, the, the thing that distinguishes a Q from an O, that little line, I don't know what that line is called, but, but here it's, it's, he talks about, about it as like a little dot, right? That just that, that little bit of a tail that distinguishes an O from a Q. We talk about dotting our I's and crossing our T's, just making sure that, that everything is exactly right so that we don't um, get confused about what the words say, right? So you've written the whole thing, and it's pretty clear already what you meant, but you make sure that you go back and you dot your I's and you cross your T's, right? That's, that's exactly the same kind of language that he's using here. For I say to you, until heaven and earth has passed away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Nothing. In fact, he's so strong about the way that he says this. If you were reading the law and the prophets, what the prophets would say as they're writing is that they would say, um, as, thus saith the Lord, right? This is what the Lord says. I'm a prophet and I'm speaking on behalf of the Lord, but I want you to know these words are direct from the Lord to you. These are God's words to you. Thus saith the Lord, or the Lord says, and then they would write it down. And you would know these are God's words to you. The the apostles later, as they're writing the New Testament, they would say, it is written. Right? In the Old Testament, God's words are this, and that's, it has been written there already, and I'm just repeating what you already know are God's words. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, For truly I say to you, For truly I say to you, These are the very words of God. Jesus places himself in the position of a prophet speaking the the very words of God, but unlike the prophets who would say, thus saith the Lord, Jesus says, truly, I say to you. He has a different relationship with us. Because he himself is God in the flesh. He himself is proclaiming, these are the very words of God to you. How do I know? Because I am him. I'm him. And this is what I want you to know. So when he's talking about he has come to fulfill the law and the prophets, that the the Old Testament scriptures that revealed who God is and how to be one of his people, what Jesus is saying is, I have come to fulfill that because here I am. 
No longer do you need to read the scriptures to understand who God is because here I am to tell you who I am. And this is who I am. Nothing is going to pass away from the Old Testament. Nothing is going to pass away from the law. Every single thing is going to be fulfilled because it is fulfilled in me. It is fulfilled in me. I have come to perfectly reveal myself to you and to show you who I am and what I want. He's no longer just a prophet speaking on behalf of God, but God himself in flesh revealing to them and saying, this is what I want. I want a righteous, holy people. I want a people dedicated to me. I want a people who is sinless, who is righteous. That is the kind of people that I want. These are my people. These are my people. How do you know who your people are? I was, I was um, blessed enough to have somebody invite me over to watch a football game yesterday. Now, some of you know that I'm a Coug fan. And this is a Beaver fan. You might look on the surface and say, we are not the same. Right? This is, these are not my people, except that we are friends. We have something different in common, and so we're not distinguishing who are my people. You're a Beaver fan, I'm an, a, a Coug fan, we can't be friends, right? No, we can be friends, because we are, are, these are my people. They, they, we relate on a different level. God, Jesus is saying here, look, I want you to know that my people are the righteous people. My people are the people who do my will, who want to follow me. And until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until everything is accomplished. Until everything is accomplished. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 5, as there are questions about him, the the Pharisees and others are are going, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? And and here's what Jesus says. The works that the Father, this is uh, John chapter 5 verse 36. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you because you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, and yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus is is telling them, look, how do you know that I have been sent by God? Look at the things that I'm doing. Look at the way that I am fulfilling the scriptures in my very actions. Look at the miraculous works. Look at the righteousness. Look at the way that I proclaim the kingdom of God. This is how you know that he has sent me. 
and you search through the scriptures and you, you dig through them and you're looking at all of these different things in there thinking that if you just obey them enough, if you just do enough, then you will have eternal life. You're, you're searching the scriptures and, and you know how um, sometimes you, you read something to really understand and sometimes you, you read and you, you just, you know that thing? Right, so, so l- let me try and explain this a little bit better. The Pharisees would read through and they would read all the words and they would know how many words. They would know what the letters were. They would be able to talk about all of the words. If you asked them to recite, they could recite huge sections of the scriptures. Because, and they would debate it, right? You would have the, the Pharisees who, who uh, had these laws and they, these rules for themselves and the stricter and stricter uh, rules, hundreds and hundreds of them, about what you could do on certain days and not do on other days, foods you could and couldn't eat, people you could and couldn't associate with, all of these very specific rules all laid out. And the scribes were the, the, the kind of lawyers who, who read through, and they, they were the ones that uh, would read through and go, okay, this is what this means. This is, these are, are how we will understand this. And they're just picking apart every single tiny little piece, knowing all of the words. And he's saying, but you missed the whole point. You missed the whole point because all of the scriptures are pointing to me. They're all pointing to me. And here I am coming to fulfill them, and I'm telling you, here I am, and you don't get it. Because you've been focused in on the minutia. And you can explain it, except that you're missing it completely, because you don't understand how the whole thing puts together. You're, you're, you're like identifying every single tree, and you know every single tree, but you're missing the entire forest. You're missing the beauty of the whole thing because you're counting branches and sticks and twigs and leaves. And you're missing the gorgeous nature of the forest. And so they were digging into the scriptures and they were missing the whole point. Jesus says, here's here's what's going on. I have come to fulfill it. I have come to complete it. I have come because it all points to me. I am the fulfillment of the law and the prophets because here I am in flesh to reveal myself to you. Everything that Israel was supposed to be, everything that the people of Israel was supposed to be, Jesus did. He was. That's why throughout the the first part of Matthew, you have all of these scriptures that are comparing Jesus to uh, the Israelites, right? So he he, uh, went down to Egypt, and out of Egypt, uh, God calls his son. Both uh, uh, Jesus came out of Egypt, and the Israelites came out of Egypt. And then he went up, and he was called a Nazarene, and he, he did all of these things. He was fulfilling the scriptures and doing the things, obeying as the perfect son, following the will of the Father that the Israelites never could do. Though some of them tried very hard to do it, they missed it. Because they thought that by their self-righteousness, by their works, they could somehow earn the favor of God. They came walking in going, okay, what do I have to do so that God will love me? What do I have to do so that God will love me? Well, here are the rules. Okay, if if God will love me if I do those rules, then I'm going to make even harder rules than that, and I'm going to do those. And then God will have to love me. He'll have to. And Jesus is going, 
what are you doing? I've, I've already loved you. I just want you to live for me. Come to me. I want you to be one of my people. I don't want you to try and force me to be your God. I want you to be part of my family, one of my children. Come to me. In fact, back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, just a few verses earlier, we went through the Beatitudes and it said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. If you, want, if you want to be righteous, just come to me and you will be satisfied. Just come to me. Verse 19 says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, God, God has a standard for us. He, he has a desire for us to be his people and to live as his people in righteousness. We, we know, those of you who have been a Christian for a little while, who have been in the church for a little while, we know that Jesus has died on the cross and forgiven us of our sin, right? And so it's, it would be easy then to say, okay, because Jesus has forgiven us, then it doesn't matter what I do anymore. God's forgiven that. Well, I sinned again. It, it's fine. Jesus will forgive that one too. Oh, I, whatever. It's sin. That's, it's fine. It doesn't matter. And Jesus is setting the bar super, super high. He's saying, no, 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 no really high. If you relax any of the commandments, any of the commandments at all, and make them easier, that's, that's, then you've missed it. I, I haven't come to do away with the law. I haven't come to get rid of the law. I, the, the law is still there. The, the, what it means to follow me is still there. I, I still have a really high bar for my people. I want my people to be perfect as I am perfect. I want my people to be holy as I am holy. I want my people to be righteous as I am righteous. I have a really, really high bar. Really high expectations. Verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And at this point, if you're listening to Jesus talk about the very high standard, the huge bar, and you're going, wait a second, even the scribes and the Pharisees can't get it? They've devoted their entire lives to studying the scriptures, to understand all of the rules and figure them all out, and they have made even stricter rules than that so that they will be righteous. And you're saying, I have to be more righteous than that? This is an impossible task. The bar is too high. I cannot clear it. It would be like saying, okay, if you want to be a part of this church, you have to do high jump. You have to jump over this bar. 
And many of us are going, I can't jump over a bar. It doesn't matter where you put it. I'm not going to be able to jump over it. And what Jesus says is, okay, the bar is going to be 13 feet. What are you talking about? 13 feet? No one can jump over that bar. Right, but that's what, it, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want perfect righteousness. Perfect righteousness. And so we all come in, we all look up at the bar and go, can't clear that. What are we going to do about that? Jesus says, I have come to fulfill it. I've come to fulfill it. In Jeremiah 23, verse 5, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Here's one of the prophets telling us what is to come. And Jesus is the one saying, I am here, I am fulfilling that one too. I am the righteousness of the Lord. I am the righteousness of the Lord, and I have come to fulfill it. To be the perfect and obedient son. And I will take my place, and I will give you my righteousness. And I will take your sin from you. The bar is this high. And you can't clear it, but I have. And so I will take away your inability and I will give you my ability. And I will put my spirit inside you so that you can desire the things that I desire. And you can begin to do the things that I would do. And you would be, will begin to live for God as one of his people and have the Holy Spirit inside you, constantly reminding you, you are one of God's children. Because he has loved you. And he has called you. And so when we repent of our sin and say, God, would you save me? Then Jesus says, yes. Yes, I would like nothing more. I would like nothing more than to save you from your sin. It is an incredible thing that we get to walk before a holy God. And he can have the bar and say, the bar is this high. And he still loves us. And so never should we treat it flippantly. And, and look on God's grace and go, yeah, well, I mean, of course he should put up with me. No. It's only because of his great love and mercy for you that he does. But oh, does he love you. Oh, does he want you to come to Jesus and accept him? In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus 
who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Jesus came. Jesus came so that you might be righteous before God. And so when we look at our two tendencies, on the one hand, to come in and, and say, okay, what do I have to do so that God will love me? The answer to that is, go to Jesus. Because there is nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can do to earn his favor. And when we come in and go, well, is it good enough that I showed up? Shouldn't God just love me for who I am? We say, no, the bar is super high. And so we're going to live in the place where we are reaching for that, striving for that righteousness. Not because we are trying to earn the favor of God, but because Jesus has already done it for us. And now we get to live as one of his people, and this is what it means to live as one of his people. So that we can live like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We are his people. And so I would encourage you this morning to boast in nothing but in him. Nothing but the great love of Jesus for you. And in fact, this morning we have a, a few people who are going to be baptized to declare publicly uh, that they believe that Jesus has saved them from their sin. And so I would um, encourage you as we sing that we uh, can rejoice together in what God has done and then uh, have a baptism where we rejoice again for specific people about what God has done. Let's pray. Lord God, When I come to you, I want to be worthy. I want to come and be able to uh, meet the standard and be worthy of your love. And yet when I hear the way that you speak to us, I recognize that I am not worthy of your love. And so, Father, we thank you that you have sent your Son, the perfect, obedient, faithful Son, to fulfill all righteousness, to die on the cross and take um, the punishment and consequences of our sin, 
so that he could remove our sin from us and impart to us his righteousness. So that now we can stand before you and say, I am worthy to be called your child. Not because of what I have done, but because of what he has done on my behalf. And so, Lord, we praise you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen.